Well, it is a very special day on Talking Church. We always talk church, but today we're going to talk uh, a little bit of a different topic, which I'm super excited about. For our church, it is so important, and that's in the topic of our 500 and in our 500 missionaries. And today we're joined by two of our 500, Kent and Ashley, and um, they have been serving in Asia and will be ser- continuing to serve in Asia um, in, in the Buddhist world. And it's an incredible treat to have you guys here to share some of your story. And obviously there's some um, realities of things we can get into and things that we can't, but we really want to highlight how people, a part of our church, can go from being a part of our church to being on the field, being part of the 500, and then what God does in that. So just want to say welcome and glad you're here. And maybe if you want to share a little bit about who you guys are and again, what you can share um, with us to set the table for the conversation today. Cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we're both farm kids from central Minnesota. And so to start all the way back there, family of origin, um, grew up on the farm, and I certainly didn't have anything missions on my heart or my radar until I was 22 years old, and that's when Jesus changed my life. And so that was a big, big moment for me. And so at that point, I was kind of like, well, I want to I wanna serve Jesus with the rest, for the rest of my life, but I had no idea what that looked like mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. And for me, I felt the call to be a missionary at a young age, so maybe five, six, seven years old, and I just didn't know what that would look like. Sure. Uh, I heard that people hadn't heard about Jesus, and so I was determined to tell other people, excuse me, about Jesus, and um, I grew up, I pursued dentistry because I thought maybe medical missions. Yeah, sure. I'm very practical in the way I think of things. And yeah, so then, it wasn't it wasn't like running from the call. It was more mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm gonna be extra prepared for it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So just kind of setting myself up for the ability to go. Um, and then, of course, you had all these desires of, but I would love to be married. I'd love to have a family. But Lord, you put this call on my life at a young age. So how are you gonna do that? And uh, he did. He just put things in place as I continued to follow his call. So talk about then how you guys came together. And I assume you didn't grow up on the same farm. Um, <laughs> That's but, good. <laughs> but the coming together and then you having this call already and mm-hmm. you not, I'm sure that was a conversation to have mm-hmm. to, to where if you're going to get married, you're convinced that I'm going on the field. Mm-hmm. How, how I mean... That's obviously a lot of time in that, what I just asked, but how did that happen? How did you come together, and then how did you decide to say, "All right, we're gonna get married," and then, you know, we'll get into the leaving part after that. But talk about that. Yeah, for sure. So we actually had secret crushes on each other in high school. Okay. So I played baseball. Ashley played softball, and we noticed each other. But she was a grade older than I, ah. and so it was like, well, that's taboo. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, like I can't say that I have a crush on the on the junior because I'm just just a lowly sophomore, yeah. right? Um, and unbeknown to me, she was thinking the same thing, except in reverse order. Like I don't want to tell anybody that I think this kid, you know, <laughs> yeah, I can't date a sophomore. No, <laughs> and he was homeschooled. So, oh my gosh, it's true. Wow, but that's, that's true. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> So, um, so how, how did you, okay, if you, I'm trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. So you were in the public high school, correct? but you were homeschooled, but That's you right. played sports with the public high school. Is that right? Yes. Yep. You got it. Got it. And so then you would play on the same like 
complex field in the same town or yeah it's a small town so Osakis, minnesota really okay. small town about yeah. 1500 people and so you know almost everyone yeah and so i was the new kid yeah. and ashley's like who's the new kid um but it wasn't mm. until much later i found out that she had a crush on me and i was like oh wow like i want to take you on a date right yeah. and so was this in high school that you No, did? this is much much further down the road so wow. about seven years later oh my I'm 20, I'm 24, she's 25, and we go on our first date, like officially our first date. Um, I was paying off student loans, sure. working out in North Dakota. Ashley moves to, to uh, Minneapolis, and I'm like, okay, let's go on a date for real. And we go on a date, and over dinner, she leans forward and says to me, I'm probably going to be a missionary someday. Is that a deal breaker? <laughs> on the first date? I did. First date. I didn't want to waste time. Oh, my goodness. It's better I mean, to be honest. Fair enough. Yeah. So what yeah. did you think about that? <clears throat> I was like kind of taken back. Like, wow, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. I mean, I guess it's not a deal breaker yet. <laughs> like I'm just trying to get to know you a little better. <laughs> but she was done wasting time with guys for sure. And it's like, hey, the Lord's put this in my heart. And so if you're not going in the same direction, then why waste time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Yeah. And so that's some, I mean, some works, solid, solid dating advice yeah. too. Don't, don't waste your time. <laughs> I guess so, man, that, I mean, good on you though, to not waste people's time. But I mean, maybe my recommendation as a pastor, <laughs> I was a young adult pastor for over four years would say maybe second or third date could be a better time <laughs> right. to share that information, right. but right. here you guys are. Yes. And so, so how did, how did it shape? Obviously you weren't opposed to it, but how does it mm-hmm. then shape? a call because yeah. you know we believe for people who are going to go out and give their life on the on the field um it, it shouldn't be just a oh it's a cool idea i'm not going to right. live in another country i'm, I'm going mm-hmm. to you know really take that call and take it very seriously so yeah. for you it was years and years but i mean at that yeah. point probably close to 20 years of feeling that yep. how did that aside from saying i like her um that's not enough to get you to go out on the field right, right for sure um there's a lot of defining moments, but one of them was the first time Pastor Rob shared in the vision message of sending the 500. So we heard the story, it was 2016, if my memory mm-hmm. serves me correctly. Somewhere around there, yeah. Um, and we're at the Crosstown campus, and before we even got out of the parking lot, Ashley's like, so are you hearing anything from the Lord? Like, is that us? Like, are we supposed to go? Um, and it was, yes, yes, yes. Um, it was like, for sure, like, yeah, we're supposed to go. We're part of that. Like. We're going to be one of those, one of those numbers, mm-hmm. um, and go reach the never reached and make a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so from there, then, then what were your next steps to? You know, you're finally starting to feel that, but now what? You know, obviously yeah. with River Valley, we have a you know plan and a process, but some people are not fully familiar with that, and we talk about it. Um, you know, we've had Pastor Lindsay on to talk about the the map process, but from the other perspective, it'd be great to hear yeah. for you guys what your next steps were there, just being members of the church. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm trying to think back, but the big thing for us was becoming debt free. Mm. So we didn't want to have that on our plate as we went for the field, and so. We actually looked out at the map right away and mm-hmm. just worked through it. Which is be- missionary action plan. Yes. Yeah. And that was just really practical. And a lot of the things we were already doing as members of the church. So it's like, are you currently serving? Are you currently in cross-cultural relationship? Are you currently... And then they would give you this whole list. And so as 
being involved, we were already involved with the church and doing those things. And then there were additional things that we would just work through and check off and mm-hmm. continue to pursue what that would look like if we left. So how long did it take to get that free from kind of that initial starting in the the, the missionary action plan? One year. One year. One year. Yeah, we so you just off. went... Yeah. Got it all. We were eating beans and rice yeah. and paying off debt. Dave Ramsey would be proud. That's what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. Aldi is our favorite store still. Great. Great. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's something that I feel like people don't really think about when they think about, oh, I'm going to go and go onto the field and be a missionary. It's, uh, no, you got to be prepared financially. And then obviously yeah. there's, so there's getting out of debt, but then it's fundraising. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously here at River Valley, we try to give you a head start and give yep. you a boost, which uh, hopefully is very helpful. But talk about, kind of going to that next step of itinerating, getting ready to go. And then I want to talk about being where you guys landed. We won't talk specifically where, but some of the stories of what God has been doing and why you feel called to keep going back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. how did you, how'd you get out? How'd you, how did you go? And how long did that take? You should tell the kayak story because it's, it's a good story at that point in our life. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's kind of not related. Well, anyways, so... Part of it's kind of related to the not or being debt free sure. or setting yourself up to go. Um, I thought of all the different things that I'd like to purchase in life, like a kayak. That was my big thing. Is mm. my first adult paycheck? I was going to buy a kayak, but then again, this call was like, well, you have to store the kayak, sell the kayak, do something with mm. the kayak. <clears throat> yeah, not an easy thing to bring on uh, an airplane. Right. Right. <laughs> So we said, I said no to a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. And then um, when it came to itinerating, they call it, and raising your partners, um, we didn't have to get rid of a lot of stuff. We really just needed to find the people who were going to join with us financially and specifically in prayer. Mm-hmm. And we started with all our connections. So family, friends, all the people we served with at church, um, my parents' church, mm-hmm. all the different connections. We just started casting vision and said, would you go with us? Would you join us in this mission? And it was amazing how many people were like, yes, like we believe in you. We believe in what the Lord has called you to do. And it was fun. I thought it was pretty fun. It was fun. Were, were your family and friends that were really close to you, typically family, but when you tell them you know, where you're going and how far away it is, hmm. What was their response? Obviously, financially supporting you, helping you. It sounds that, but were there were there people that were resistant to? Oh, I don't. I don't think you should go. And I don't think you know if if you want to have a family or you want to do th- mm-hmm. like that's not a good place to go. What were some of the ways that you battled those? Maybe we call them doubters, but I think they'd call themselves realists, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, how how do you balance that? I feel like that's a question for you. Also. Yeah, you know, I think. Um, just especially it's the people closest to you, you know, the people you love the most, your mm-hmm. your grandma, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, um, and really our like eternal perspective, like mm-hmm. time is so short here on earth. And that's what I'd tell people as well. It's just like the amount of time we have on earth is just a moment. Um, and I think it doesn't feel that way, especially when you're young, like we're starting out, it's a fairly new marriage and it feels like, oh, we have lots and lots of time. Um, but the reality is we don't we don't have that much time. And so to share that heart with them and to let them wrestle with that and work through that themselves has mm-hmm. been really amazing how they've how they've handled that. Mm-hmm. 
So how how long were you guys married before you went in, onto the field? Four years. Four, Four years. So not that long, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, there's probably things you're weighing as well to say, well, maybe we establish a career first, or maybe we you know get our life in order, maybe we get our marriage in order. But I mean, four years in, you're you're gone on the other side of the world, right? How, how did that test your marriage? It was tough. Yeah. <clears throat> when we were on our stateside, we were surrounded by healthy marriages. Sure. I mean, our pastors, even in our own family, and you didn't. We didn't realize how much that influenced and helped our marriage mm. until. We were over in Asia and surrounded by marriages we didn't look up to, Mm. um, marriages that were very dysfunctional. And so I would say the first two years we were gone were the two most difficult years of our marriage. What are, are, when you talk about the examples of marriage in where you were, I mean, is marriage, is it, I mean, it's obviously not built upon Christ. Right. So what what is marriage in, Mm. in a, Asian ancestral or Buddhist culture. I mean, does does it have the same significance, or people just roommates? What I mean, what is? Mm-hmm. I remember in I was in Japan, and they said, you know, people are they're just kind of roommates, and mm-hmm. they they sleep in different beds. They're you know they had they had kids, but that's kind of all they did. And mm-hmm. it's like, what what is that example that you guys saw? I think there's some of that um, in the country we're serving. There's some of that roommate feel, but. After living there for a while, we heard stories that really broke our heart and fueled a bit of our passion for the future Mm -hmm. in marriage and family ministry. Um, Young girls would be counseled before they got married that their husband would cheat on them. That's just kind of the the way it is in that Mm -hmm. culture, Um, very Mm male-dominated culture. And obviously, we're taken back by that. And they just said it deadpan. You know, we're sitting there like, Really? Like, that's common. Like, here's like, what yeah. to do when, when you feel bad about that. Yeah, uh, just kind yeah. of setting the expectations wow. for your marriage. And we're like, no, no, no. Like, that is that is so unhealthy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so that really took us back, but also fueled a passion to provide some help in that area if we can. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So you, obviously, there's tests in your marriage. There's tests for your family that they have to grow. But then there's obviously the work on the ground where it's actually what you're there to do, what people have sent you there to do. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about some of, I mean, getting there, being there, how, how many years you were there, obviously you're back now, but the, planning to go back, of some of the work you're actually doing and then some of the fruit you're seeing from that. Yeah, It's about relationships. Yeah, I mean, same thing here applies over there as well. You start with relationships and... Very small Christian population, I assume. Yes, yeah. so less than 2%. Wow. <clears throat> in the country we're serving in and um boy they are hungry to know about jesus i mean you spark up the smallest conversation of tell me about your family um tell me what your spiritual beliefs are and then you get a chance to share your own and it's different in the sense that it's a normal conversation to have so here sometimes spiritual conversations can get awkward and people don't really want to dive in but there it's like you're talking about dinner. Like, what are you cooking tonight? Like mm-hmm. it's so that made it really easy to talk about Jesus. And as soon as you talk about Jesus, they light up and are curious and ask more questions. Um, so we start there and we allow the Holy Spirit to really do the work and um, spend a lot of time in prayer. The Holy Spirit will highlight someone and then you bring them aside and get them plugged into a Bible study and 
um, yeah, it's just a slow progression, but it starts with relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what are there, you know, people that come to mind or stories that come to mind that you can share with us that, that maybe spark that for people that, mm-hmm. that can maybe capture a little bit of what you've seen and, and lived for the past several years and help other people kind of understand that with mm-hmm. you as much, I mean, as much as they can in a, in a short little time, but. Right. Yeah. I think one of the things that stirred up in us was what Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really see that living in our, you know, jobs and going to church on Sunday. And we go to go on a, a global project, like on a team. Um, but it wasn't really until we started interviewing other workers overseas and be like, what's going on? What's the need? And they were like, come, like, we need you. We need more workers. Um, Because in our country, they're hungry. They're spiritually hungry. And it didn't take long to be like, oh, we're maxed out. Like just with the people we're in relationship with now, Mm -hmm. like we're maxed out. We want to train these people to reach other people, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's with such a small population of Christian believers in this country. And I think it's just, it's amazing that the Holy Spirit wants to flow through us to help free people who are in bondage. There's Mm -hmm. this one story I love to tell of a man I met, similar age as me, he's a a physical education teacher. And we're having coffee and I could tell he was open to the story of Jesus. And he shares with me about his childhood and then his best friend from high school is a Satanist and they want to hang out. And he's like, you should come, you should come, like be a Satanist with me. And I said, we study the Bible on Tuesday nights. You should come and learn about Jesus too. And so he came to our house faithfully on Tuesday nights. And we asked him one night, like, are you ready to give your life to Jesus after talking about John chapter three? And he said, no. I was like, okay, that's fine. No pressure. Uh, But he continued to come back. He was faithful to come back. And it had only been about six months since we had been on the field. And the guys and girls split off for prayer time. And we were praying for a different girl to give her life to Jesus that night. Um, But my friend turned to me and says, will you help me repent of my sins? Just out of the blue. And we're like, Mm -hmm. yes, yes, yes. So uh, local believers and I just got to pray for him and just see like heaven break open. And he just starts weeping and repenting of his sins. And it was such a cool, cool time. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, this is easy. I know there's a lot of hard stuff, but like, this guy literally just needed to hear the story of Jesus yeah. and just broke free from those those spiritual bondages that had held him down in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fast forward into the discipleship program, talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he says, I have that. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I have what you're talking about, like a private prayer language. Like I, and I was like, really? He's like, yeah, the night you guys all prayed for me, I felt fire. He's like, I felt really hot. And <laughs> I have this new language. And so we all pray together and I was like, wow, wow, wow. That is wow. so cool. That's amazing that he experienced it before even reading about <laughs> yeah. it in, in scripture. And, and right. I'm sure you see that often with mm-hmm. like people experiencing what we know and take for granted. Yeah. But it's like, oh no, that's this, that, yes. you know, the gift or even spiritual gifts, all of that stuff. What what has been, or, or how have you processed through kind of breaking down the, the, historical Western Christianity view. And I think mm-hmm. I think there's people that are very critical of even the idea of sending foreign workers because it's well, it's you know, it's we're just 
bring our Western Christianity onto them, and mm. that's no good. I, obviously, I think we we all here would refute that idea. Um, but I think there is some truth to bringing over the the flannograph Jesus and the the maybe Western Church even to a, a country or a place that has no grasp for even even that you're it's just normal for your your spouse to cheat on you or even a, a physical abuse or sexual abuse is just yeah. common and rampant mm-hmm. um, how have you guys had to change your mindset and perspective mm-hmm. to not change the gospel by any means yeah. because I do think in the West there's a lot of things that have been right but then there's a, we're not perfect at all either you right. know um, how have you how have you managed that tension to being an, an American mm-hmm. Christian but also, being somebody that's trying to minister to people who have very different context. Big question. Yeah, Read the Bible. <laughs> Read the Bible. Sure. Yeah. I think, oh, it's such a learning curve, big mm-hmm. time. For us, we were taught and trained that you read scripture with the local person or the, the national person and ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And so through their cultural lens, what is scripture saying what does this mean to them not in the sense of like what is your truth sure but how does this impact your life in this culture and that helps kind of guard against us telling them like from a western perspective this is what it means but asking a lot of questions would be a big one um has anything surprised you like the the questions that you've been asked about scripture or Yeah, big time. Like we were surprised every week in our like reading Give the Bible together. Give us some of together. the things that people have asked, or again, maybe surprising to us, but to them, it, it's a real question. Yes, the food sacrifice. Yeah. So food yeah. sacrifice. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's all good. <clears throat> food sacrifice to idols, hmm. and maybe you can take a yeah. So kind of frog. that was something we'd never talked about, right? <laughs> sure, talking about. Yeah, you don't preach on that. You don't have sermon series typically no, about no. it. No, <laughs> Like, what do we do when we're invited to this death anniversary and there's supposed to be a certain <laughs> arrangement of various fruits on the family altar? Um, and so that really took us back. And we're like, wow, what do you do in that mm-hmm. scenario? Um, and so we just listened to them. We listened to, I mean, there are local believers who have loved Jesus for longer than we have mm-hmm. who are there. And so asking them good questions, hearing what they've done. Um, and there's a wide range of things that have happened, good and bad, right? And so mm-hmm. sometimes there's this this righteous tear down the family altar kind of thing that wells up in, in new believers and they go for it. And then there's like a bunch of family drama. It's like, sure. well, Let's take a step back. Maybe that's not the best approach. Sure. Um, because the Bible also says, honor your father and mother. Right. Mm-hmm. And so balancing those things is is something that we were learning from other believers. Um, and that is just slow to speak, quick to listen. Mm-hmm. I think my mom told that to me from a young age, and mm-hmm. that's really applicable for mm-hmm. a cross-culture setting. No, it's true. And I think that there's there's a... There's a disconnect for people who feel um, who feel like they're not able to minister to people hmm. who are different than them. And actually, the reason why I wanted you guys to talk about it is I actually think there's a context for American Christians hmm. who are um, going to deal with a lot of things you're you're dealing with now in the future. I look at um, you know last night. 
um, we had baptisms and there was a girl who got baptized who was her second time ever in church, mm. ever in her life. And that's not as common here, but I think it will become more. And even, yeah. you know, maybe in America it's not ancestor worship, but I do think doing the things you're doing, sitting down and reading scripture with people, mm. do we do that a lot in the American church? Mm. I don't think we do. But why, you know, and with yeah. a new believer, hey, we're going to tell you about our class. And I, again, all these things are, are awesome, but we're going to tell you about the class you should be a part of. We're going to tell you about this. Well, hey, let's let's do soap together, our, our mm-hmm. script reading, mm-hmm. and ask me about it. Or let's mm-hmm. let's you know do this. So that's why I love that what what foreign workers can bring back to us is, mm-hmm. hey, that we're coming into a place that is maybe already ahead of the curve. Have you seen some of that as you're back for a short time, you know, with the goal to go back, are you, are you, what differences are you seeing as you've been back? Cause obviously there's the culture shock going there, mm-hmm. but then there's the culture shock returning back to the church that you left from mm-hmm. being in services that run with a, a very different environment, <laughs> full of believers. Mm-hmm. How has that kind of affected you guys being back? Of course, there's a, a longing to say, I love this yeah. being in a, everyone's lifting their hands, worshiping, how have you managed that tension as well to the, the reverse culture shock coming home? Yes. But then re- wanting to go back. Right, yeah. right. It is real. Reverse culture shock is real. And we came back, um, it, we, were, we were in our country for two years. We kind of came back and it felt more of a, a two-year sprint, which wasn't very healthy for us. We kind of came back completely winded, kind of flat on our face like, Wow, like if we're gonna do this for the rest of our lives, we need to have some better things in place too, sure. because it was our first time in full-time ministry. And so we can just take, 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 especially with all the cross-cultural pressures. And so we got back and we just kind of sat there in our church community and we're just taking a few deep breaths saying like, wow, mm-hmm. what just happened? <laughs> How do we move forward? Um, but as far as what the American church is is dealing with and facing and maybe looking at what the future looks like. Yeah, reading the Word of God is so practical and it's so helpful. Um, and sometimes it's a curriculum with some Bible verses in it, which is really good. Um, but for a new believer, just hearing the story like chapter after chapter through the Gospel of John or something like that can be so, so helpful in grounding them in just biblical literacy, I think is super important. Mm-hmm. When you think about the question that you said, a lot of workers were encouraging you guys, hey, come, come. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the call that here at River Valley we, we give often, mm-hmm. which is would you consider going? And you know, I've talked to a lot of people about it who say, I don't know that I'm supposed to go, but you keep asking people to go. Mm-hmm. Like, what's, I, I feel like I'm maybe not a significant part of the story because you mm-hmm. celebrate the 500. And what I always say is, if we don't ask people to go and we just kind of let's lower the bar. Hmm. Well, the, hmm. what's going to happen to the, the people? I actually think that it's impossible to send without a strong core. It's impossible mm-hmm. to send without hundreds of people that are behind them. How have you guys felt that relationship to friends who are not going and maybe don't feel the call to go, mm-hmm. but are still maybe you a part of the story and a part of the journey and, being back, I, I don't know if you can expand upon that a little bit. Mm, can you clarify your yeah, question like, a little bit? Like, what, what, what would you say to? There's, I think there's two groups of people. 
I'd love to hear in a moment what you would say to people who are considering going. Okay. But what would you say to somebody that says, I don't feel that's my call. I don't feel I'm supposed to go. But how important am I hmm. to your story, if that makes sense? Yep. Yeah. I would say to the person who's feeling that they're supposed to go, there is no harm in just taking a step moving forward. Mm -hmm. I... One, I forget who told me this, but the God we serve opens doors and he closes doors. And so I think that's comforting for those people who are like, I feel like I'm called, but it's kind of scary. It's just like, okay, move forward and trust that the Lord is going to open doors and close doors. Mm -hmm. And then to the person who is like, I don't feel called to go, but like, how am I important? Everyone plays a role no matter what. Mm -hmm. I mean... Prayer. We can all pray. And that is something that Kent and I realized this last term, that we needed more people praying. Mm -hmm. I mean, people always say it. It's like you need prayer warriors, but you really need How prayer. often would you get a, a text on the field? Like, I mean, I feel like it's not as often as maybe we think. Right. Not often enough. Yeah. I'd say our families did a great job praying for us. Yeah. And then... Actually, River Valley. So we had um, what's now called the Global Support Team. Mm -hmm. They would Skype with us once a month, and mm -hmm. we would just pray together, and that was amazing. But the random one-off text yeah. like praying for you, I would say is not. it wasn't too common. Yeah. Right. Let me back up just a second to the person who's not called to go, but they don't really feel valuable. Yeah. Or what is my role? What can I do? Um if you don't have a significant relationship with someone who's going, do it. Find one. Yeah, Find sure. someone who's going and have a significant relationship with um, just building that that relationship so they can pour into that person who is called to go because we need people who are behind us, praying for us, thinking about us, and then also finances is a big part mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. um, that's a really important role. We can't go unless we're sent, and it takes money to go. And so... I know for myself, just being a new Christian at age 22, there was a lot of learning as I continued to walk out what Jesus wanted me to do. And then all of a sudden it hit me like, oh, I'm not giving faithfully monthly to someone who's overseas working. Sure. And so, yeah, get some skin in the game. You don't have to start at $200 a month. Start with 20 if that's all you can do. Mm. Um, but that will your heart goes where your money goes, right? Yeah. And so when you start giving $20 a month to that person who's overseas and reading their newsletters and then reaching out to them, all of a sudden you're like, oh, now I'm mm. now I'm mm -hmm. in my role. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think the one thing that we do at River Valley, for those who are listening, they, you know, we tithe on the tithe. And so just people who tithe are supporting yeah. monthly missionaries, yeah. which is great. But yeah. I think what I would recommend to people in our church is... You got to get on people's newsletters. You got to mm. get people's prayer card. And I, growing up in in the church, I mean, the amount of prayer cards that I've been given is <laughs> is if I kept them all, it would <laughs> it would fill up room. But I actually look back and I go, man, I wish I would have kept more. Mm. Now I keep them. Now I I'm praying for for you know every every person, every one of the five hundred, every, every worker that comes. Um, but I think even to pastors and leaders that are listening. There are people just like you guys that are out on the field that 
that text would mean a lot. Mm-hmm. That 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 prayer, even if the prayer is being prayed, we we believe that the prayer is the important part. But that reminder can you're not surrounded by a staff or a church or people that are are lifting you guys up every single day and and challenging you. And again, there are people. I'm sure there's other workers that are there, but it's it can be lonely. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And so even from for me, my action step, I'm like, I need to in you know in the the ways that are sensitive and the right ways, I need to communicate more to my friends that are in the field. But then also yeah. I, the people who send me their their newsletters and stuff, like I read them. Mm-hmm. And I think at times, it, it seems crazy, but I know how easy it is as a pastor to be busy and to see the newsletter come through or to see the physical mail. And it's like, yeah, you just, you mm-hmm. kind of quick glance and look, look at it and pass it aside. But I think I'm taking away, no, I need to be more intentional. And I hope that you guys, you know, your next, step when you're back on the field is more full of those random texts, more full of, Hey, I read your letter and I'm so excited for Mm -hmm. that. I think so often we read it and we capture it. Even maybe we're, we're elated by it, but we don't let you know. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how many people got, got this a lot, but nobody responded. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe we could do a better job to respond. So, I mean, hopefully you're saying yes and amen to that, but I just, as I'm, externally processing here out loud um we could talk about so much more Mm. and there's i'm sure there's story after story after story we could get into but i want to give you guys kind of a last last chance to just share anything that maybe is on your heart for for the ministry that you're doing or anything further you'd like to share with pastors and leaders Mm. who maybe are listening and um wanting to send more workers or um whatever you feel on your heart yeah for me it's prayer you know prayer we've alluded to it or talked to it multiple times, but if you've never really just paused and been like, okay, Lord, what role am I playing in the Great Commission? And just talk to God about that and listen. Take some time to listen to the Lord um, and hear what the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And then also prayer to change the map. We're talking about change the map for the Buddhist world. There is millions and millions of people all across Asia who have this Buddhist worldview and it's so empty and hopeless and it's also full of fear too. And so not to dive too far into it, but when you just think about the millions and you're like, wow, we really need some prayer. We need people to pray here and now for that world. Mm -hmm. And so like engage in that, um, engage in that and don't think, well, that's, that's in the future. That's for someone who's actually there. Mm -hmm. It's for the people who are here too, to engage in prayer, to change the map, to take down those spiritual strongholds. One thing mm. I, I know I said I'm landing the plane here, but I, I <laughs> I'm really curious. I want to hear about that for a second. There's I think in the West there's a little bit of a growing like Buddhism is like a great alternative to Christianity. Yeah, but you're seeing it up close in in a, a much broader view with, and I would say the more historical Buddhism versus maybe a yoga enlightenment thing. Right. Um. What What does it look like up close? Mm. I mean. How is it affecting it, people? It's demonic. Up yeah. close, it's demonic. It's full of fear and it's full of this power shame kind mm. of culture. And it's it's an appe- it's an appeasing thing where you have to appease the gods with the right uh, mm. fruit arrangement, right? And so all these things, when you get up close, it's really it's really dark. Mm. Yeah. And in the West, we just think, oh, it comes with yoga and stretching, and now my body feels better, and I want to, you know, um, which I'm not trying to throw all that under the bus, like. Uh, it's good to be healthy, sure, right? Yeah. Um, but when it just it comes but over here disguised. in this disguised yeah. package, 
Um, but up close, it's it's very dark. Mm. Yeah. Ashley, what would be your last last thoughts here for pastors and leaders listening? Prayer was <clears throat> a really good one. I think, um, boy, there's so many things <laughs> that you can say. But I would say, yeah, prayer and involvement and, for instance, the pastors who are supporting workers – um, to not just feel like it's just a check you're writing them. Hmm. I think they need to know that workers are very grateful. And sometimes in the midst of work, they might not be great at saying thank you back. We really try to make a point of like telling people thank you. But mm-hmm. I know, I know, and I've seen so many workers who are grateful and they're just not great at saying thank you. So sure. I think pastors need to know that really um from the bottom of the worker's heart we are so thankful that people are backing us um we wouldn't be there without them so yeah well thank you guys for sharing a part of your story and and you know usually we we end and you know give opportunities how to connect with people and in this case you know i'd say it's through prayer Mm -hmm. Um, but i would just encourage anyone listening right now um, obviously almost all the people listening are believers that when this podcast ends that if you would just say a prayer for you guys and for and for the buddhist world when maybe maybe you're driving maybe you're uh watching this later and sitting in your office um i would just encourage you as this comes to a close that that you would say a prayer truly not just a mm-hmm. quick pray for them and 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 uh be done but if you maybe take a few minutes to to Pray for you guys, but also pray for the entire Buddhist world, believing that um, workers like you, that national believers, that people all over would, we would see a a awakening yeah. and a uh, a resurgence of of new believers that are are passionate about their communities and cities and countries and um, a lot of people in that part of the world mm-hmm. that uh, that count the same to God. Mm-hmm. And right. so I would just encourage. Um, Encourage those listening. Um, we're gonna when I when we're done here, I want to say a quick prayer too. But uh, I don't want to. I don't want to speak the prayer on behalf of all those listening. I believe there's hundreds and hundreds of prayers that will be prayed after listening to this. So that's my call to to those listening and call to us here today. But thank you guys so much for being here and excited for those prayers to come to fruition and to see more people yes. find faith in Jesus in the Buddhist world. Yeah. And yes, and amen. Thank you for having us. Yeah.